0: Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat. Rocks, God the World and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission is always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Well, friend, it's another beautiful day in Middle Tennessee. I tell you, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone the other night, and he said, Kenny, I think you just really enjoy living where you live now. And friend, that is the truth. It is a beautiful place here in Middle Tennessee. Now, I don't want to say that because people from all over the world are already moving here in droves. You can't even buy a house There are so many people bidding on homes and home prices going through the roof. So uh, anyway, if you don't live in Middle Tennessee already, just stay where you are. I'm just kind of kidding. Anyway, I'm excited. This is season seven. This starts season seven of Dot Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things, Advancing Equilibrium in the Midst of an Agitated World. And I tell you, friends, that we need the Word of God in our lives to combat the agitation that is being slung at us continuously. It's not funny, but I tell you, it's continuous. Now that part is funny because it only takes a little bit of evaluation to say, wait, there has to be a unified global approach that's being dished out. And friend, it is coming from the devil himself. It is satanically orchestrated. You have to know that he is playing his part in the effects of the world. He is still under the control of God, and he is carrying out the things that God has ordained for him to do to bring about the approach of the end. Are we in the end times right now? I can't say. But friend, I can tell you this, Jesus made it clear that with his departure from this earth in bodily form and the advent of the Holy Spirit, we are already living in the last days. So I can say that for a fact. But this is episode 121, Revelation chapter 10, the little book. Friend, I tell you what, this chapter right here is pivotal in the entire book of Revelation. As you read through the book of Revelation, you come to chapter 10 and you think, well, what's really the point of this chapter? Why has this been included at this juncture after all heaven has been broken loose against mankind, against evil mankind? And friend, the reason why this chapter is injected at this point is because it is a reminder, it is a bell ringing that the word of God, the little book, is the driving force of the apocalypse. Keep in mind, this is a strong word I'm going to say to you. It is the catalyst that drives the apocalypse. In chapter 10, there is a second interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpet, just as there was an interlude between the sixth and and the seventh seal. The seventh trumpet does not sound until Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. This interlude sets off the seventh trumpet as especially important. This interlude here in chapter 10 is not simply a literary device, but John is representing it as it will occur in real life. Through all of this, we must keep in mind that as humans, we cannot predict how God will act and how he will carry out his judgment. Bible commentator Leon Morris warns, Let us beware of proceeding as if all has been revealed. There are numerous times in the Bible where God reveals that there are some things kept from us. God has told us in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen to the words of Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, "'wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. "'His face was like the sun, his legs were like pillars of fire, "'and he held a little scroll opened in his hand. "'He put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, "'and he called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. "'When he cried out, the seven thunders raised their voices. "'And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, "'but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seventh thunders said, and do not write it down. Then the angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. He swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. There will no longer be a delay, but in the days when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet, then the mystery of God will be completed, as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I ate it, my stomach became bitter. And they said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Friend, in verse 1, the mighty angel appears coming down from heaven. Angels are the messengers of God. They exist in the divine realm in the presence of God, going back and forth from the throne of God, both communicating things they hear from God to humans and transporting things to God. Remember, this book was delivered to John by an angel. The angel here in chapter 10 is not one of the seven angels previously mentioned or one of the four, but another strong angel like the one seen in chapter 5, verse 2, also in chapter 14, verses 6 and 15, or in chapter 18, verse 21. Everything about this angel says a reflection of the divine presence of God presented to man, the face that shines like the sun, legs that were like pillars of fire, his gargantuan size, a loud voice like a roaring lion, and the angel, we hear and see the faithfulness, power, authority, and judgment of Almighty God as the source of the angel's message. In verse 2, the message he was delivering to John was a little scroll that was open in his hand, and his stance was repeated three times in the chapter in verses 2, 5, and 8, which may represent the total conquest of land and sea. It relates this angel and the message of the little scroll to God's purpose and promise to take possession of the entire world as will be carried out in the final events of this momentous period of world events. The diminutive size of the scroll does not mean that its contents is diminutive in nature. It may have appeared a little in context of being held in the hand of this colossal angel, The contents of this little scroll is revealed in chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. The emphasis here in chapter 10 is this little scroll, which is the Word of God being transmitted from God to John. We must keep in mind again that our Christian Bible is the Word of God from cover to cover, and its contents are things God wants us to specifically know while we are resident here on this earth. But its contents are only a revealed portion of the Word of God and not all of the words of God. A second reminder, as we study the Bible, we must keep in mind that it is our responsibility to read it and know what it says through frequent access and purposeful memorization, but it is the Holy Spirit of God who leads us into all truth. John 16, 13 reminds us of that. In verse 3 here, we now hear the angel's voice, which is massive, and the response by the seven thunders. We don't know what the seven thunders are, and John, in verse 4, was about to write down what the thunder said, but the angel stopped him. Friend, it is astounding to me how humans can watch Hollywood movies, portray the supernatural, extraterrestrial, the matrix, alternative universe-type concepts, and see it as myth and make-believe. Yet God's Word clearly shows and tells us that there is so much beyond our physical earth going on that is extraterrestrial, otherworldly, and things like the seven thunders of which we have no understanding. This you can count on. What God has revealed to us about Himself, His Word, and His plan— there are seven things he reveals here in chapter 10 that you can take to the bank. In verses 5 through 7, the angel solemnly proclaims the imminence of the fulfillment in what he calls the mystery of God. This stands for the whole purpose of God and conveys to John's readers that there is an answer to the complexities of human history. The mystery of God will be finished. Prophecy will be fulfilled. The angel solemnly swears with an oath in God. We are reminded that the validity of God's word is based upon the two key fundamental aspects of God. The fact that he exists and the aspect of God as the infinite, eternal creator of all things who fulfills this plan. The last days, no less than the first days of creation, are in his hands. But here's seven things God reveals about his eternal word. Number one, that it's supreme. You see it in verse 1, 2, and 11. It's supremely significant. It's ultimate. Its utmost in degree. Notice the appearance of the angel, his colossal stature, his position on both land and sea, the fire, the halo, supreme, significant. We see in Matthew chapter 24, 5, Mark 13:31, and Luke 21:33, all of them say, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Friend, when God repeats something, That means it's super important. Psalm 138, 2 says, You have exalted above all things your name and your word. So the word of God is supreme. The eternal word of God is supreme. Number two, it's dominant. In verse 2, it talks about the sea and the land. It's all conquering. 2 Timothy 2, 9 says God's word is not chained. Number three, the eternal word of God is transcendent. We see this in verse 4 and 10. It transcends man's knowledge, surpassing beyond the limits of man's knowledge. It's superior to man's knowledge. In verse 4, the two commands seal up at once and do not write. In verse 10, we see the paradox of it being both sweet and bitter. It's transcendent. It's beyond anything that we know in and of ourselves. The fourth thing, that it's valid. In verse 6, it's eternally valid. Because God is the eternal, self-existent creator of all things, we can trust His Word. God is consistent. His Word is an extension of His personality. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, it reminds us the word of the Lord will last forever. It endures. The fifth thing, God's word is faithful there in verse 7, that the prophecies will come to pass. It is prophetically faithful. Psalm 119, verse 42 says, I trust in your word. The angel's oath proclaims the ultimate fulfillment of ancient promises. The gospel will have its perfect work. Number six, it's accessible in verse 8 you see that the scroll is open it can be read that means to be eaten to be digested it's sweet and it's sour proverbs 123 says if you had responded to my rebuke i would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you god's eternal word is accessible to all men if they will only take and eat it the seventh thing it is taken not caught there in verses 8 and 9 it must be taken personally received god said take it john said give it to me but God said, take it. John chapter 5, verse 40 says, You refuse to come to me so I can give you eternal life. Friend, we no longer need to wonder why the world of fallen, condemned humanity hates the word of God. It is going to be the very thing that indicts them of their sin, and the sentence issued forth from God's Word will condemn them to an eternal hell. That is why over the past 50 years there has been a satanically orchestrated, collaborative effort, and an all-out war against the Word of God. That is why its Ten Commandments can no longer be posted on any classroom or school office wall. That is why it has been stripped from the morning school announcements— That is why it has been removed from the courthouse, and God forbid that you just might be a Clarence Thomas under scrutiny for the nomination to the Supreme Court of the United States of America for believing in natural law, a higher or unwritten law, superseding human or written law. In other words, folks, the Bible, especially, as quoted in an article I will post to the show notes, the specter of unknown laws of certain origin, nullifying laws enacted by the democratically elected legislatures, giving natural law a negative un-American tent, Judge Thomas tried to explain in the confirmation hearings, a blanket rejection of natural law runs counter to much of what is characteristically American. Beginning with the Declaration of Independence, American law has been intertwined with various ideas labeled natural law. Today, however, such various and contradictory theories claim that title that the confusion has become compounded. As a result, natural law tends to be equated, especially in legal circles, with an appeal to an unwritten source of law. Friend, the last of God's righteous judgment is getting ready to be unleashed in the last half of this amazing book, and His righteous judgment will come to completion all by the driving force, the catalyst of His Word. If you are one of the ones who has been saved by God's grace through faith that comes from God by hearing the Word of God, I close this chapter with Isaiah chapter 55. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food, and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. Since I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, so you will summon a nation you do not know and nations who do not know you will run to you. For the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, so he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. And the mountains and the hills will break into singing before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up. And instead of the briar, a myrtle will come up. This will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.